Praise the Lord, everybody. With that kind of an introduction, I could actually say amen, and then we could be dismissed. But thank you so very much, Brother Odom. And I would like to say how deeply appreciate the fellowship that we have enjoyed over the past several years since we have been coming to Summit and to Peak and to other meetings. Seems like that we have uh, known you folks for a long, long time. However, because of our recent acquaintance, I don't know all of you by name. I can't look out across here and call you by name like Brother Tony Spell did last night. But I do have a request of him. If I could borrow his watch, I could preach for seven minutes. But I appreciate the opportunity that I have to fellowship and to come into this gathering. It is a delightful occasion for us. And my wife is actually in attendance. Uh, she came with me today rather than going into the ladies' meeting, of which I deeply appreciate her support. We have been married for 51 plus years, and I know that would surprise you. And Patricia Sandy is a great lady and a tremendous pastor's wife. And I am certainly indebted to her for the years of her faithfulness and what she has meant to me and the work of the Lord. Bishop Wilson spoke about strength and might of which I recognize that our God has all power in heaven and in earth. And also I am aware socially that there is an attack against God and everything that he represents. Everything from media to politics all the way to Hollywood, there is an attack against him. But I'd like to inform the devil today that they cannot shell his temple nor dynamite his throne. They cannot bomb his city nor rob him of his own. They cannot take him captive nor strike him deaf or blind nor starve him to surrender nor make him change his mind. They cannot cause him panic nor cut off his supplies. They cannot take his kingdom or hurt him with their lies. Though all the world be shattered, his truth remains the same. And righteous laws still potent, and Jesus is his name. We may feel their golden rod, we know above confusion, there always will be God. And I am delighted to stand today to say that God delights in doing impossible things through improbable people to impact exceeding mercy and grace to undeserving recipients. 
of which I am one. And I am delighted today to lift my voice and praise him and delight myself in the law of the Lord and meditate day and night because my God is worthy of all acclaim, all worship, all praise, all adoration, all acclamation. Jesus is deserving of it all. It is my honor to recognize Bishop Wilson, the Executive Council, and the great fellowship of the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship. And as I said, many of you I don't know, I've never had the wonderful privilege of meeting you on a personal basis. But the more I'm around you folks, it makes me feel like I've finally arrived at home. And I'm delighted to be here. Yesterday and the night before, Brother Bass, Brother Wilbanks, Brother Godair, and then Bishop Wilson has ministered from this pulpit with exceeding great ability and anointing. And I feel honored to stand in the same desk where they have preached recently. With that out of the way, I'd like to turn today to the book of Acts, chapter 217, and then going to the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 17 through verse 20. In Acts 217, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. With Brother Cornelius Williams following me in a little while, I thought this scripture actually fits very well. Young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So he'll be coming with a vision. I'm coming with you to you with a dream. In Genesis 37 verse 17, and the man said, they are departed hence. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Would you offer thanks unto the Lord with me right now? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And now, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to represent you. 
And I pray, dear God, with the anointing of the Lord, that you will help us, dear God, to rightly divide the word of the Lord and lead this congregation in praise and worship before your presence. For we love and appreciate you so very much. And thank you, dear God, for your grace and mercy today. And everybody shout amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? You may be seated. It was on August the 28th of 1963 that Martin Luther King Jr. spake at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Many have looked back upon that occasion and called it one of the greatest speeches of modern time. He started rather slow as if he was trying to find the groove for the occasion that he came to represent. The longer he spoke, he seemed to have picked up his stride. And then he began to talk, evidently from his heart and to those that had gathered at that great memorial. And he began to say, there is something that I must say to my people who stand upon the warm threshold that leads into the palace of justice. Then he said, we cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. And so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted. I have a dream that one day in the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day the state of Mississippi will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. He went on to say, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today, and let freedom ring. Let it ring from every village, every hamlet, every state, and every city. And then I conclude my remarks from Martin Luther King with this 
last paragraph. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jagged discords of our nation into a beautiful sympathy of brotherhood. With this faith, we'll be able to work together, pray together, struggle together, stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. I, too, stand before you today, my brothers, and with the encouragement from you and the assistance of God, I would like to title my message today, I too have a dream. I too have a dream. Brother Bass on Monday, on Tuesday night said that he had a weird dream. And when I came to the platform, I started looking for that recliner. And behold, it's not here. Also, yesterday morning, Brother Wilbanks referred and has struck an accord with me when he said there's someone that has come to this meeting with a dream. I want to assure you today as I stand before you that there is deep within my heart and my life a dream. When I was 19 years of age, I was introduced to Pentecost. I was a heathen without any Bible knowledge or understanding of God whatsoever. But when I found in my life a relationship with Jesus Christ in Pentecost, it has had a deep effect on my life ever since. And that effect has caused me to want to battle. It wants it has caused me to want to contend. And so today I'm campaigning. I'm campaigning for real Pentecost. I'm camp campaigning for real apostolic faith. I'm still standing upon the same platform of faith and hope and desire that I got on when I was 19 years of age and it served me well, and I'm not ready to let it go. I'm not ready to turn loose of its effect in my life and what it really means to me and my family. When I look at that word dream, I find that it appears in some 65 times in all periods of Bible history. In the ordinary use of it, Job, right, or in the book of Job, it is written, 7 and 14, it said, Then thou scarest me with dreams and terrifies me with visions. He was speaking of ordinary sleep. But the most significant use of that word, however, is a reference to prophetic dreams. For I find both true and false prophets relying upon communication with God by what they call dreams. A classic passage of that word is found in Deuteronomy 13. 
If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder, and that sign and wonder come to pass, then at that point you understand whether he is standing on truth or or living in a falsehood. In the true sense of the word dream in the Bible, it is a means of revelation. It appears appears in the first biblical occurrence of that noun when it said in Genesis 20 and 3, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. There are men that have picked upon the essence of what dreams are all about. Dale Burke writes, when your memories are more exciting than your dreams, you have begun to die. Charles Hedges said a dream is not something that you wake up from, but something that wakes you up. Walt Kildstad said, great dreams require digging, digging beyond the surface of limitations, our past failures, our easy way out distractions. He said dreams can help us see the invisible, believe the incredible, and achieve the impossible. One significant aspect of dreams is the spiritual importance. By means of a direct or special communication of God with mankind. As I said, Abimelech in Genesis 20, Laban in Genesis 31 The wife of Pilate in the New Testament when she said don't have anything to do with the crucifixion or the death of that just one. The special will of God is often revealed to men through dreams. Jacob at Bethel and in Haran. The dream of Solomon at Gibeon. The dream of Joseph, the espoused husband of Mary. The night visions and dreams of Paul. Some dreams, ladies and gentlemen, only a few ladies, but a lot of gentlemen, I'd like to say they have destiny. Dream, the dream of Joseph in my text this morning in his father's house illuminated within his desire, within his life, that calling that would never escape him. It would never leave him. When it figuratively predicted that he would have dominance in his father's house, the dream then of the chief butler and the chief baker, the soldier in the Midianitis camp, during the days of Gideon. All of these illustrate dreams of destiny. James Allen wrote, dreams are the savior of the world. All the visible world is sustained by the invisible. So men throughout all their trials are nourished by the beautiful visions of their solitary dreamers. Humanity cannot forget its dreamers. It cannot let their ideals fade and die. It lives in them. 
It knows them in the realities by which one day they shall see and they shall know. In my scripture transcripts, I find truths, gospel wealth, and the wonders of God's blessing, benefits, and redemptive purpose. In the hands of men, God has entrusted all of these great aspects of his redemptive plan. So ladies and gentlemen, when I step to this platform today, I have come to this conference as a dreamer. I have come to this platform as a dreamer. I have come to this pulpit as a dreamer. So ladies and gentlemen, today here comes a dreamer. The great achievements began in a dream. It must be conceived in the heart before it becomes a reality in a life. Someone has said the poorest of all men are not those without a scent, but with those that do not have a dream. A life dream is my roadmap. A life dream is a giving a purpose to my life. It is a reason I get up in the morning and it's the reason that I endure whatever I have to face during the day is because God has given me a dream for the apostolic work, for the kingdom of Almighty God. And I come today to do my very best to relate to you that I have a dream. I have a dream for Pentecost and for apostolic ministry. In Joel 2.28, we find the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would come with dreams, visions, leadership, and direction. A life dream is not a passing fantasy. It is something that dwells within the fiber of my being and your being. And as I come today to tell you, I am on a campaign. I want to see the apostolic church marking the same beautiful, wonderful progress that has made it what it is today. I contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And as I come to you today, I implore you, would you understand that we've got to keep our dream alive. Our dreams are accompanied by destiny. Dreams are the anchor of our soul. Where, where within the storms of isolation or rejection, we are not going to give up and throw in the towel. A light dream is not something nice to experience. It is something that is essential for survival. God's light dreams is not games that we play with in the imagination, but it's the building blocks of our future and what this church is going to be for our children and our grandchildren. I say today, I have a dream. Also, I have a dream for the Pentecostal movement. Brother Godair spoke so tremendously of his whole mission journey yesterday morning when he spoke at this conference. I too can relate. I know what it is to 
go into a city knowing no one. I know what it is to have church with nobody comes but your family. I know what it is to look out the window to see if there's anybody pulling up and to park their car and come into the church. But there was something that sustained me and something that motivated me. And that was a dream that God gave into my life. That I was not going to be just carried with every wind of doctrine, but I was going to hold steadfast to the faith that was delivered to me by great men whose fingerprints are still on my life. And I'm not going to let them down by forgetting the dream that has been deposited within my heart and in my life. And I learned one thing, that dreams may not come to fruition very quickly. They may take a, a long time to become authentic. But we can ruin our dreams. And if you're a home mission pastor sitting in this congregation today, let me say to you, don't ruin your destiny by becoming impatient with the pace of God. Don't allow your dream to be placed on the back burner and be forgotten. Don't be like Abraham and Sarah that became impatient with God's timing. Joseph waited approximately 20 years for the total fulfillment of his dream. But the dream was still there in the dungeon, in despair, in accusation, in isolation. The dream was still there. So let me preach a little while and tell you today I too have a dream. I too have a dream that one day the Pentecostal churches across America and around the world will rise up and live out the true meaning of the Bible creed that says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Let that message ring within our fiber, within our being. Let it ring from every village, every hamlet, every city, every community, every household. Let it ring with a type of ringing clarity that was in the very beginning of the apostolic church I too have a dream that all Pentecostal churches across America will rise up and live out the true meaning of the Bible commitment go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned 
I have a dream that all Pentecostal churches will rise up and live out the true meaning of the Bible assurance that there is one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and, and through all and in you all. I have a dream that all Pentecostal churches around the world will rise up and live out the true meaning of the Bible conviction that says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind hallelujah that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God oh I have a dream that all Pentecostal churches would rise up and live out the true meaning of Bible doctrine follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord I have a dream that one day the all apostolic Pentecostal churches will rise up and live out the true meaning of what it really means to have Bible faith therefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do us so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us are you here hearing me this morning I too have a dream I have a dream that Jesus Christ will be elevated in the hearts and minds and lives of people that he receives his just acclaim. The one whose hands has swayed the scepter, scepter of universal authority. The one who his majesty has filled the heavens with his glory and his wrath has filled hell with terror. The one the God of eternity that came dressed in human garment, the one that I elevate and I say unto you, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the ending. I'm preaching today and telling you right now, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord over all you know something I have a dream that the crooked paths of this world will be made straight that means that I would like to live in a country where supreme court justices and elected officials could pass a simple biology test that they know the difference between male and female. 
that they are not mystified as to who marries who and when they do it. I'm preaching today and telling you right now, I want the crooked paths to be made straight. And I have a dream for America that there would be an awakening, that there would be some statesmen, that there would be some prayer warriors, there would be some people that would be committed to see this nation survive the onslaught of ungodliness and wickedness that is going on in our world. I have a dream that the Pentecostals would be real apostolics. Now I want you to think with me. I received the Pentecost into my life when I repented, was baptized in Jesus' name, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you right now, just receiving that message that wonderful truth is not the stopping place for I read a little bit later and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine amen not all Pentecostals are apostolic amen I've seen some people that I've met in, in visiting and going around from place to place city to city they say, uh, what faith are you? I'm Pentecostal. I am too. I could have never guessed it. You sure fooled me. Because there are Pentecostals where their women cut their hair. There are Pentecostals where they dressed immodestly. There's Pentecostals uh, that have all kinds of jewelry hanging all over their bodies. Amen. But I tell you what, it's time to go from Pentecost to apostolic. It's time to be born again, but also continue in the apostles' doctrine steadfastly. It's time for us to rise up and say, hey, we're not going to be pulled into the cesspool that the, a lot of Pentecostals have been pulled into. And I'm contending. I'm not here to preach and to throw stones and to belittle people. I'm not here, but I'm being realistic. And I'm telling you right now, it bothers me some of the things that are going on in what they call Pentecostal church. I have a dream that Pentecostal churches are going to wake up and they're going to get some pastors that's going to feed them with the Word of God and lead them in the paths of righteousness. I have a dream at this church that I dearly love. This Pentecostal movement is going to become apostolic from the top of its head to the bottom of its feet. I'm preaching today and telling you right now, there are some dreams in my life. And I might as well say it. I don't believe preachers ought to have television. Matter of fact, I don't even believe saints are to have television. That's one of the reasons I'm here. 
because I don't believe preachers are to have televisions. I don't believe saints are to have televisions. It is a scourge of the Pentecostal faith. It is the it is the abatross that is pulling them into degradation and ungodliness. I'm here to preach today and tell you, I'm not ashamed to be an apostolic. Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, preacher, and telling you, I'm asking for the old paths. I'm asking for the good way. Amen. And I'm going to walk therein. And you know something? I thought if we could somehow persuade Michael and Gabriel to get them a huge basket and to start from one coast to the other coast, from one border to the other border, and go into Pentecostal churches and collect all the jewelry out of that church. I believe we can sell it and support home missions and foreign missions all the way to the coming of the Lord. Why? Because people have become accessible to the ungodly ways of the world. They want to look like Hollywood. They want to imitate Hollywood. They want to follow in the paths of Hollywood. But I have a dream. I'm not going to let them destroy it. I'm not going to let it enter it and sap my victory. Praise God, seven minutes. Seven minutes. Since I'm already out on thin ice, I might as well say I'm a Jesus fan. I'm not a Gator fan. I'm not a Blue Devil fan. I'm not a Vols fan. Hello? I'm not a Tiger fan. I'm not a Rebel fan. I'm not a Bulldog fan. And we might as well say it. It's not the crimson tide, it's the crimson flow that came from Calvary that makes all the difference in our world. Say, well, how do you know all these names? If you go out in public, you're going to hear them because they're worshiping at the shrine of sports. They may have gone to a house of God for a brief session, but then they come out to worship at a shrine called sports. And I, I'm here to say, hey, I'm a Jesus fan. I'm going to glorify, magnify, and worship Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so my dream will allow me eventually to see it dovetail toward the will and purpose of Almighty God. For I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose.
So today, let me say I have a dream. Therefore, I'm going to lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. I have a dream, so I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. I have a dream, so I'm going to press toward the of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have a dream so I'm going to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered of the saints. I have a dream so the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I have a dream.